Yeah, I'm sure one day you won't be able to tell the difference. And and maybe it's not a bad thing because everybody wants to be at their best, you know, like we wear nice clothes and put on makeup and everything else. And, mm -hmm. you know, one day maybe you do the same for your voice, you know, so you don't sound tired or hungover or, or whatever. <laughs> you can get away with a lot doing that, I'm sure. <laughs> That's it, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Audio Branding, the hidden gem of marketing. Sound plays a more important role in human behavior and our decision-making than you may realize. In this podcast, I'll help you understand the art and science of sound so you can better influence others in business and your life. I'm your host, Jody Krangle. Let's delve a little deeper. This is the first part of my interview with Carl Robinson. My next guest is co-founder and CEO of Rumble Studio, a startup that helps creators, agencies, and brands create podcasts 10 times faster and easier using cutting-edge voice technology. Rumble Studio is the first and only company to record asynchronous guest interviews using conversational AI, which allows anyone to create audio content at scale, no skills required. He's the host of the Voice Tech Podcast, and has interviewed more than 100 experts in the field of voice technology. Earlier in his career, he led a product team at a chatbot startup and became a published voice AI data scientist. His ambition is to democratize audio content creation so that businesses large and small can establish a presence on the audio channels of the future. His name is Carl Robinson, and I'm really looking forward to hearing what he has to say about podcasts and the state of audio in general. The future of sound is already here, and I know he'll have opinions on the subject, so let's get to it. As always, if you have questions for my guest, you're welcome to reach out through the links in the show notes. And if you have questions for me, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com, where you'll find a lot of ways to get in touch. Plus, subscribing to the newsletter will let you know when the new podcasts are available. And now, here's my interview with Carl Robinson. Welcome, Carl. I really appreciate your being here today. It's great to be here. Thanks very much, Jody. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I usually like to start off these interviews by asking a question about how an early memory of sound moved you. So if you have a story mm. about something like that, I'd love to hear it. Um, a story, I, I guess, I mean, I, I, it takes me all the way back to uh, to my childhood. <laughs> let's, let's reminisce. Um, for me, video games were a big part of my childhood, for sure. And, you know, now I think about it, I think my, my love of electronic music came from that, you know, it took me 20 years to sort of have that epiphany. Um, but, <laughs> <Of course>. I, <laughs> but yeah, definitely. And then when you start hearing the, you know, chip tunes and all these elements in electronic music, you think, oh, yeah, of course, you know, the people are creating that now. That's what they played when they were younger. Um, and the what I mean, I had a lot of different games consoles and stuff, but probably the most powerful one was the first one that my parents got me, which was the the original Game Boy, playing uh, Super Mario, um, specifically. And I think uh, the the music that really moved me, and it always, you know, I don't know, strikes a chord, or you know, when I hear it, my ears prick up, is the is like the boss level on the on Super Mario on the original Game Boy. You know, if I hear that, it's oh, like yeah. wow, you know, just the excitement of. Um, you got there. <laughs> yeah, like got there and also got this, you know, like because I was so I was so keen on having a Game Boy at the time. Asked my parents, didn't think I was going to get it, you know, because that's a big gift, you know, when you're like six or seven. Um, sure. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then when I got it, I was just like, oh my goodness. So yeah, I think that video games for sure and, and that game in particular. 
Fantastic. Yeah. So did that lead into your love of music and sound in general and and in particular podcasting? Because I guess that's where you are now, right? Yeah. I don't know if I can trace a, a clear route all the way through. Um, I think, you know, I've done lots of things with music. If I if I think back, you know, I, I remember when I was a little bit older, like around nine, I had um, one of these ghetto blasters, you know, it had a, you know, a dual cassette recorder. Yeah, I had Something one more. of those too. You got I, it, yeah. I sympathize. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the so, big, um, huge thing, you know. Massive, the one you yeah. Like, like, yeah. Just, <laughs> just way too big, probably half empty yes. space, you know, but it looked cool. And um, yeah, I used to make mixtapes, um, recording off the radio and then, piecing the, the, the songs together and putting them into a mixtape and stuff. So, you know, different, different things like that through my life. I've, uh, you know, I've played with it. Um, and, uh, no, but the podcasting came, came much later. Yeah. That was, uh, that was really through a love of voice technology, which came from working with the technology in the, in the startups, you know, which I think, you know, I've, I've talked about my life story on, on various podcasts, but I'm happy to, to go into that if you're interested. Well, sure. I, I definitely want to know how you got into the voice technology and, you know, mm. that it's a pretty big thing right now, especially. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So um, I, I suppose the, the voice stuff started um, really as chatbots and conversational interface when I um, uh, I was living in, uh, in Beijing in China and uh, I'd done a couple of startups myself. And then I joined a startup as a product manager. And there we were building a, a mobile app. Um, to speak uh, or to connect doctors and diabetic patients in India. So it was a healthcare app. Oh, um, fascinating. And there was the, yeah, there was, uh, there was different elements to the software as well. So there was the, um, the live coaching where they could speak to a real human, which mm-hmm. worked really well because the, the, the health coach knew what she was doing. You know, generally it was a, it was a woman as well. Um, and then um, there was the, like the, educational side of the app was designed to to put content out you know to help change behavior over the long term so you can imagine articles advice encouragement all of these things to to get people to to eat more healthily and and help improve their health situation because for a lot of diabetics it really is manageable you know if they just change their habits they can really improve their lives um it's not a lost cause by any by any means anyway um we yeah we were we were putting up this content and we you know, we were responding as well. We were trying to, um, what's the what's the word? Wizard of Oz technique. It's a bit like Wizard of Oz. You know, you're behind the curtain and you're it's pretending it's a bot, but actually it's, Pay you know. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I was, I was one great. of the many, many people behind the curtain, you know, just sending little <laughs> responses and stuff to what the guest said. Anyway, or just trying to mimic something, some kind of interaction. Um, and yeah, we found that, you know, obviously the more you interact with the guest, the more engaging the app is uh, and really that whole experience made me realize that you know the, the more you can respond the more interactive it is um the the better it is for the the user the more likely they are to respond and, and take action on the the advice that you're giving them which is really the thing we were going for and the holy grail of that is to have a real human there all the time giving you coaching and personalized tips and just being there for you right which is what the role of the health coach was so really that was the the, the point where i was like okay conversational interfaces this really can work if only the technology existed to to be able to automate this stuff you could do it at scale without the cost of you know hiring uh, health coaches right um and yeah, this is this is really where the the, the seed of it, uh, and then of course that was you know that was around the time where Amazon Alexa and everything was really taking off. Um, of course, yeah. So it was a, it was a great time to, <laughs> to have that that realization. Um, yeah. I moved back to Europe. I did a data science masters for a couple of years, and at the end of that, I did an internship in a in a lab in um, 
in France called IRCAM, which is like generally music research, but they also have a, a speech research uh, department. Um, so I was building machine learning models. You know, it sounds very fancy, but it's kind of a lonely thing. You know, you're on your own, just programming and <laughs> talking to computers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thing, <laughs> yeah, that's it. So, um, or or dreaming of talking to computers, really, because there wasn't oh. you know, there wasn't that much talking to them. But yeah, we were. I was working on the voice emotion transformations. So there was a a data set of uh, acted voice samples uh, from a, a voice actor, you know, pretending to be fearful and joyous and on all these different emotions, and then trying to convert that from one into another. And it worked to to a certain degree. It wasn't amazing, but I managed to get a, a paper written out of it anyway, which I was proud of. Yeah. So anyway. Well, it's progressed a lot, hasn't it? I mean, what, oh, yeah. have, what have you seen as far as that's concerned? I mean, there's there's so much technology out there now. Like, totally, where do you see this yeah. going? It's like, yeah. is, it, is there a limit? <laughs> uh, well, I hope not. I mean, I, 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 technology it doesn't seem to be a limit, right? Mm -hmm. uh, just now. I mean, I just literally just hosted a panel the other day with the CEO of Sanas, which is one of the most Im impressive uh, voice transformation products I've seen. I had a demo, like, I don't know, a year, year and a half ago. Um, and it was good then, and now it's like almost flawless, you know. And you can imagine that they're, they're focusing their, their their models on the most common um, language, you know, the most the most common accent pairs that people would want to translate between. Uh, no voice transformation. What exactly mm. do you mean by that? Yeah, so it, it comes in different guises, but it, you know, in in their in their um, case, they're transforming uh, an Indian accent into an American accent because a lot of call center operatives are in India. I see. And maybe yeah, some yeah. Americans have trouble understanding them or they would just mm -hmm. prefer to speak to someone with an American accent. Um, and their technology works really well now, I have to say. Sanas.ai, S-A-N-A-S. Uh, they just raised a massive seed round of like 25, 30 million or something. So obviously a need for that technology. Um, yeah. And yeah, and there's and there's lots of different like varieties of speech transformation as well. Like I've seen... Um, uh, Veritone, I think they've got a, a speech to speech transformation. So you can, you can actually transform uh, like live speech. I think you can you can basically just speak into a mic and it will come out with a different accent. Um, you can combine it with. Respeacher is another one too, right? Is that right? Respeacher? I don't have a look Respeacher, yeah. They're the ones that worked on The Mandalorian and did, um, I believe, the voice for Darth Vader in the latest Obi Wan. <laughs> okay. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So it must be pretty so, good as well. Yeah. So some actor actually acts out the voice and mm. then they put another voice on top of it. So that's the it, acting's already it. done. Yeah. But that's it. Yeah, yeah. You can't you can't remove the human completely because you need someone to no. act, right? If you just yes. spoke like you normally spoke, it wouldn't really sound like Darth Vader. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. But yeah, then they yeah, can yeah. put, you know, the voice on top of it and yeah, it it works flawlessly. It, I mean, I can't really tell a difference. You know, I don't no. know how how trained my ear is on that, but uh, <laughs> there's well, so day, much I'm to sure, do. Yeah, I'm sure one day you won't be able to tell the difference. And and maybe it's not a bad thing because everybody wants to be at their best, you know, like we wear nice clothes and put on makeup and everything else. And, mm -hmm. you know, one day maybe you do the same for your voice, you know, so you don't sound tired or hungover or, or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you can get away with a lot doing that, I'm sure. <laughs> That's it, yeah. <laughs> the dangerous thing. Uh, yeah. Hello, I'm Mark, and I have one minute to tell you about a newsletter I think you'll enjoy. You already know the power of the human voice and how good sound can affect us. Well, in my newsletter, The Big Minute, I pick out 60 seconds from a recent podcast episode and tell you why I think it's remarkable. As someone who's been podcasting for 15 years, 
I'd like to think I've a good ear for this stuff, and I'm a pretty picky listener, so if you're ready to discover some new shows and find out what makes them stand out, head to thebigminute.com slash audiobranding. New issues arrive in your inbox every Sunday. There's no spam, no clutter, and there's even an audio version of each issue. Again, to join me in uncovering what good sounds like, head to thebigminute.com slash audio branding. Okay, that's my time. Back to you, Jody. I have a question for you then with all of this, because it is getting so good. And I'm wondering what happens as far as protection is concerned. Like, are there watermarks coming? Is there a way for people to tell that this isn't a synthetic voice Mm -hmm. without actually hearing it? Um, You know, is there a database somewhere where people have to get this from? Uh, You know, what are the protections involved? Uh, I think it's it's an arms race between the the you know, companies or technologies that, that produce these synthetic voices and whatever guys and uh, the companies that are built to detect them, right? Because, you know, there are, there are banks using uh, these type of uh, detection algorithms to, to verify that it's you, um, you know, identity verification, um, uh, deception uh, detection, you know, to, 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 to determine if you're lying, you know, maybe you're asking for a, a loan and you're you know, exaggerating your salary or something. So now they can listen to your voice and... and <laughs> Okay, now I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're not alone. <laughs> yeah, but, that yeah. could be really it's, interesting. But yeah, I, I mean, mm-hmm. how do you, is there such a thing as a non-audible watermark on an audio file? I think, I mean, in if you have access to the actual file, then yes. And you can embed data in a file that's not, you know, it's not audible. But I think if you're just um, recording it like over a phone, like if I was using a voice changer, to speak to the bank, they would have to then capture that audio their end after it's been, you know, corrupted, compressed and everything over the line. Um, then I think it's a lot more difficult. Um, so then they have to detect it just from the the audio, you know, the acoustic properties. Um, so I think there are still techniques, like I was saying, that, that there's tools that are constantly being developed to sort of combat this stuff. And it's just a never ending thing. It's just like in the, the world of security, you know, like they come up with some type of encryption and then you now come up with some software that can crack that encryption and off it goes you know back and forth of course so yeah that's that's how it goes i like how you put that it's an arms race (laughs) interesting yeah definitely and synthetic voices so what else can be done with them we we know that um maybe a a chat bot can have an actual conversation and like Mm. the person on the other end will feel like they're talking to a human okay Um, what happens if they don't think that they're talking to a human? Is that okay? Like, are are there, are there instances where you wouldn't mind knowing that this is a synthetic voice and uses for that? Well, I think there's, there's instances where I would definitely mind not knowing, like if, you know, if they were pretending that it was real and it wasn't, I think that really Mm -hmm. gets people's backs up. Yes. Um, being deceived, being made to feel like a fool, you know, and that's Mm -hmm. what, Google got into trouble with right with their um uh <laughs> the name of the project escapes me I was the the one where they were um making restaurant bookings head hairdresser bookings with uh oh with yeah their, the one the video that they put out there that showed uh yeah you know the synthetic voice making a booking yeah the demo yeah oh, I forget the name of it now it was, it was famous at the time but um mm-hmm. yeah they didn't tell people when they called up that this is a synthetic voice so they had to add that later um, I'm not sure if that feature is really rolled out now to the to the public or whether it was just in 
I haven't seen anything, but then I'm probably not as in the know as you are. Mm. So if you haven't seen it, I suspect it hasn't been no. yet. <laughs> well, I haven't, I haven't heard anyone talk about it in a while, and hence why I can't mm-hmm. remember the name. But uh, if, if it's out, it will be out in the States first. So, yeah, you yeah. haven't received any uh, any kind of suspicious phone calls asking to book uh, <laughs> podcast uh, appointments or anything, have you? <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I, you know, we, we all get those automated calls. You know, this is the IRS, mm. you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> those, oh those scam calls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the robocalls. Yeah, that's very clearly synthetic, however. <laughs> mm. I think that's worse in the States, right? I think that because the, the legislation isn't as strict as in Europe, so you guys are really suffer from that. Um, well, I'm actually in Canada, and I still get those. Ah, okay. You I don't know why they think the, the IRS would scare me, but okay. <laughs> they just didn't filter the numbers. Then. No, I don't know what they're doing, lazy. but... Yeah. <laughs> Throw spaghetti against a wall, right? Something's going to totally. stick. <laughs> That's, that is robocalling it 101. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. Yeah. So how does this all tie into Rumble Studios? So can you talk mm. a little about what you do there and, and, and how all this synthetic voice and, and all of that comes into play with what you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. If it does. So, no, no, it definitely does. Yeah. And, um, and to go back to my, my story before, so I was in the lab doing the, the machine learning stuff launched a podcast called the voice tech podcast uh in a nutshell it did pretty well but i discovered how much work it is to make a podcast so hats off to you for continuing with yours it's a lot of work it's a lot of work yeah my i got to about 85 episodes but i haven't released one in about a year believe it or not it's just uh i just haven't uh i haven't managed to balance that with starting rumble studio as well which has been all consuming um but the Voice Tech Podcast is a very valuable experience in, in many different ways. It raised my profile. It put me in contact with a huge network of people in the Voice Tech community and, and outside of that community as well. Um, and uh, and really was the impetus to start Rumble Studio because, you know, talking about voice technology all day, um, realizing all the potential that this technology had, the speed at which it was developing, um, and the difficulty that I was having with maintaining a, a podcast uh, episode cadence. Uh, weekly is definitely a, a challenge. Bi-weekly wasn't so bad, but still it's a lot of work. Um, just made me think, well, maybe I could use some of this uh, this voice tech to automate some of what I do. Maybe not ev- not everything and not the, the standard that I'm doing it, but maybe I could use it to, to capture answers from five guests and then just bring those into an episode and I could just do a little bit of ad-libbing around it and that would speed things up. So, you know, surely that's possible, you know, with the tech that exists. Um, and yeah, I had a look online. I thought maybe that there was there was apps that already did that. There really wasn't anything. Uh, everything was focused around just recording live interviews and just loads of apps around distribution, publishing, monetization, or all this kind of stuff. Like everything that happens after you've got the episode. Um, so yeah, that's really what I wanted to, to focus on is is helping people produce the content in a in a more efficient way using voice tech. With the dream, of course, of being able to one day build a, a you know a machine that could have a, a realistic podcast t- conversation with with guests at scale, personalized to the guest that you're speaking to, uh, and you know, and off we go into to science fiction. But yeah, that's that's really where it came from. Yeah. So you're using that now for a bunch of podcasts. Is that the idea? Yeah. Um, so I I did like five or six of voice tech podcasts uh, on on uh, on Rumble Studio. Uh, we've done. Uh, we've launched a new series called uh, Audio Leads. So we're on uh, episode twelve, and uh, as you as you well know, the last two episodes have actually been featured with uh, with yourself. Yeah, that was actually yeah. a really interesting experience. I got <laughs> to experience it firsthand. <laughs> I'm gonna have to ask you about that. Yes, <laughs> um, be kind. Yeah, but yeah. It was. Well, I mean, if you want, yeah, you can let me 
what, what was the experience like? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, for for me, it was an interesting experience in that um, as a voice actor, I I tend to, if I'm left to my own devices, want to read mm. a script. <laughs> uh, yeah. So so if I'm in a conversation with someone like our conversation right now, it's easy enough for me to talk and come up with something and, and speak intelligently, hopefully. But mm-hmm. when it comes to being asked a question and then being presented with a blank space, <laughs> yeah. that that's something else entirely. And I found it actually a lot more difficult than I thought it would be. So for me really? personally, I had to like write mm. out my answer before I actually mm. spoke it. And that was like double duty because I wasn't just speaking. I was also writing and yeah. And then speaking it as if I wasn't writing it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It, it, so, it depends on the, the guest. Some people do that, right? You need to have it all word, worded out before actually delivering it. Yeah, well, at least bullet points. You know, not mm. all of it was completely written out, but okay. at least bullet points so that I knew what I was going to cover and I didn't meander, yep, <laughs> which yep, is yep. so easy to do if you're just left to your own devices. <laughs> Absolutely, but, yeah. I mean, this is yeah. this is why, you know, the really the vision and the need in Rome Studios to have that um, conversational AI layer that listens to what the guest says and then chimes back in and asks follow-up questions, which is what we're, we're, we're building now. Um, just asking a question and then letting the guest answer it in entirely and then that's the end mm-hmm. of the question you know is puts a lot of stress on the the, the guest in some ways because like you said they have to think about the whole the whole answer up front you know have to plan it out deliver it uh and then that's it no, no you know no opportunity to to come back and add, add a bit more uh so you're right um but what we've also found is that some guests seem to really enjoy that because instead of being put under pressure to come up with something uh, intelligent to say on the spot, uh, they can actually think about it. And some people really like making the bullets and, and delivering. And we've had the problem with some guests, at least, that they've just talked too much. We're like, oh goodness, like, you know, just, <laughs> sure a minute would have been enough, but like you yeah. know, four minutes or something, you know, like <laughs> give me a life story. <laughs> so um, it really depends. It really depends. And we're experimenting with different formats, different ways to ask the question, whether we give mm-hmm. hints. Sometimes giving a hint can sort of like focus their attention on just okay, you've asked me this big question big open question. And then you've given a couple of hints as to what part of that question you really want me to focus on that can get people to leave a little bit more of a concise answer and takes the stress off of them as well. So, Are you looking for ways to improve your company's or podcast's impact? You'd be surprised how powerful the use of an intentional audio branding strategy can be. Want to know more? I have a free downloadable PDF that gives you my five tips for implementing an intentional audio strategy at voiceoversandvocals.com slash audio dash branding dash strategy. That location does ask to put you on a mailing list just to send you updates on when the new podcasts come out. But if you really don't want to give your email out, I understand. Just contact me directly. My email is all over my website and I'll make sure you get that PDF without needing to sign up anywhere. If you do sign up, though, you also get access to a resources section called The Studio, where I have videos, white papers and PDFs, discounts from my guests, and snippets of audio from my guests that no one else gets to hear. So maybe it's worth your while. Totally up to you. And of course, if you're looking for voiceovers, you can get in touch with me about that, too. Now, back to the podcast. It definitely is. It, and it sounds like you're developing that so that um, what you were saying was that you're asking a, a AI to then listen to what's being said and ask follow up mm. questions, which I think could be really interesting. 
but it does take out that human element. So like, I, I kind of wonder like how that's going to work in the wider spectrum of things. Like, do you, have you, have you thought like what's going to happen? Are, are, is someone going to read those questions? Like an actual human is going to speak those questions afterwards and then you edit them in or like how, I don't know how's that going to work. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, in, in the basic sense, I mean, and this is what some users do right now is that they'll, they'll write their questions. Maybe it's five or 10 questions. Um, you can you don't even have to record the audio up front you can just send them as text but it's better to record the audio up front because they hear your tone of voice you record the audio pretty quick that's a pretty quick thing to do is just speak out 10 questions um send the link to the guest in their own time they can record their answers and you get those answers back then in our like mix feature you can see your question their answer you see the transcript of their answer so you don't have to listen to what they said you can just scan read it which saves a bit of time and then you can add a, a follow-up comment but you can also re-record the question if you know if you didn't spend too much time recording it, or if the audio conditions are different, you know, between your follow-up comment and the original question, you can just re-record the question as well. It really doesn't take long to to record a question. Plus, you've got the opportunity to sort of match the question to what they said, so you get the you know a better flow all the way through, which is kind of what you know um, like journalists will do, or on a TV show, there's there's that post-editing phase. So it is different from a, a standard podcast process where you just record as much as you can and then just cut everything out to to keep the bits that you want but you very rarely go in and record extra bits right unless i mean i don't know if you've ever done that but do you ever apart from the intro and stuff do you ever pretend you're in the conversation and add a add a comment or a, or a re-record a question or something like that i, don't, I never did you know i haven't but i can see how it would be useful to be able to mm. you know like i i, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't say someone shouldn't do that. You know, I, I guess right, it would depend right. on what the conversation was and how it flowed. That's so, it. yeah, if it's a flowing conversation, I would prefer not to edit it because it's it's already a conversation. <laughs> you know, I don't want to ruin that. <laughs> but I can see yeah. where it would be an interesting thing to be able to do. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. And and there there clearly is some use for it because there's you know the the tool Descript. They've got their overdub feature and to change certain yes. words. Mm -hmm. rather than get someone back in and re-record the whole thing like that obviously has a use um but from the people i speak to like they it has specific kind of narrow use cases like it's useful for these these type of scenarios but i wouldn't do my whole edit in it for example and yeah like that that process of re-recording whole questions maybe they do that on the like the really highly produced shows you know we've got a journalist they go out they capture a load of audio then they come back and then the host a different person records the questions so they kind of simulate this this narrative or this uh, this fake conversation but very professionally done um that that exists but i think it exists on the higher tier um type branded podcast you know where they're paying tens of thousands an episode this kind of thing with like a whole team this has been part one of our interview i hope you'll tune in next week for part two well, that's the end of this episode. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard, why not tell a friend about this podcast? It's available in all the usual locations. Until next time.